Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. <laughs> That's not going to work. Please keep that in. Please. <laughs> Hello, Trojan fans. I'm going to keep that in. Yes. For Keely. Yes. My voice cracks. It's that uh, time of week. It's that time of week. Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. I don't I mean, like, I, my whole thing got screwed up in the beginning. But <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, I maybe had a gluten-free goodie that I brought Keely, and I had a different one. It wasn't very good. Gets in the back of your throat. Throat's dry. Throat's dry. Gluten is it all not cracked. very moist. But Keely always begs me to keep it when I screw up the intro. It's just so funny to me. So I'm just going to leave it in there. Like I'm just, you know. I, Everyone makes mistakes, right? I praised her for going a one-take uh, Family Feud podcast with Chris Trevino. So I'm going to do this one take. So I screwed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you had to listen to me. My voice cracked. But anyway, yes, this is the Parastyle Podcast. It is a Thursday, and we have a crazy week. Crazy week. around the USC football program to recap, and I'm going to do that with my good friend Keely Orr, who's sitting right next to me. And uh, yeah, we got a lot to get to for that. A lot of questions, um, a lot of comments. We got some voicemails, we got some text messages. If you do have any questions for us, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call us or text us at 424 254 9141. I can't believe I left that in there. It yes. probably sounds terrible. I won't even listen to it. Just just post and forget about it. Yeah. I'll just post it up and you're just like, oh, you could just make fun of me for the people need to know that you're not cracking. perfect with your hello treasures. So, oh my god. It's iconic, it's, but it's hard. Little sometimes. do they know. Yeah. But when you eat or drink if you have soda beforehand. Yeah. And I didn't have soda, but I had that gluten free, which <laughs> I don't recommend. Blame blame it on the gluten. I got her something better. I got her cookies, which are better than whatever I had. Better so, is a relative term, but yes. But they were that good. God, man. I, oh, I'm still <laughs> no, bad. Good. For you. Okay. That's good. Uh all right. So you could do all that with the the questions and stuff. We're just like all over the place. It's been all over the place week. It this is very uh, representative of the week we've had. It was it's chaos. It is chaos. Mid season firings of a head coach. That's what happens. I'm glad I use my phone for calendar crap right now because like literally on Tuesday I had nine different radio interviews from across the country. So you have to like put little 15 minute blocks everywhere. Um, a whole bunch just. I mean, it's just been it's insanity and. There's just no stopping. Like you're just like your friends are like, where are you? I'm like working. Like what is it? It's two in the morning. Working. Like whatever yeah. it is, you're just working. Yeah. Because something happened, and we have breaking news. Clay Helton was fired. Clay Helton was fired. He gone. Uh, yeah. So he's no longer the head coach of USC. Crazy. It's still surreal to me, Ryan. <sighs> it is crazy, Doctor Williams. Like literally, he's been there twelve years. I know. Um, head coaching. For the last like six and a half or whatever, seven. Uh, also did a little head coaching before that. You know, he's interim a couple of times. But we have to get to that and what's been going on in the week with Dante Williams, the interim head coach yeah. now. Um, you can spell interim, right? That's why I tell everyone, like, if you cover this beat, you know how to spell the word interim. Because I've never heard you make that joke before, and really? I've been with you for a long time. <laughs> well, I just I just made it up like this week. So, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Got like it. I said on the radio or something. Okay. Like, 
When you start like doing all those radio hits, you start like, you oh, that joke worked. I'm going to pull you. Know, using your It's lines. sort of like you pr- practice your routines. Yeah, on the, you know. I'm sure you did. Uh, but yeah, we know how to spell the word interim because we've seen it quite a bit Yeah, uh, around the program. But yeah, Dante Williams, and we're going to talk about his week of practice. We got a Zoom call with him on Thursday morning. Uh, we got to interview him on Tuesday. We heard him on Trojans Live on Monday. It's been a crazy, crazy week around USC. Although some people are like, is this the craziest week ever? I'm like, eh, it's not no. top five. Like, it's no. not even top five. No, this was the calmest midseason firing so far. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Because there's been multiple midseason fires. Yes. The last three coaches USC had, midseason firings. I mean, and Ordron was around for a while and, I mean, essentially was fired. He wasn't retained. Uh, yeah, there's a, USC does this a lot. Yeah. Um, but we so we have a lot to get to and a bunch of questions. Some of the questions became um, old. Yeah. So a little stale, I would say. A lot of people uh, were frustrated after the Stanford loss. Right. Which but, is very understandable. And then it changed. The narrative changed. It did change. Uh, I did do an emergency podcast uh, early Sunday morning. You so did. I got to a lot of your voicemails uh, about the Stanford game. So hopefully there's enough Stanford content up there. I put up a Harvey Hyde podcast with Stanford content. And within hours, that was. Outdated. Irrelevant because yep. Clay Helton was fired. Uh, but we have the family feud. We're going to talk uh, you know, more about this. So I'm sorry if we're not going to get to your Stanford questions. Um, this week went by extremely fast. It was sort of like... Super fast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like the only person who's more exhausted than we are is Dante Williams. <laughs> he's got to be. Probably it, other people, yes. But it's been a crazy week. He was interesting to talk to this morning. But we'll, we'll get to all that. Before we do, I just want to let you know, um, if you have the Apple Podcasting app, We've teamed up with Trader Joe's to kind of encourage you mm-hmm. to leave us those five-star ratings. We love them. You know love them. We always talk about at the top of the show. Did this over on the podcast of Champions. Give a little giveaways for giving reviews. Worked well. It's working well here on the Peristyle Podcast. So thank you so much for Trader Joe's for providing a bunch of $50 gift cards. So we'll pick our favorite uh, review every week and just email me, um, ryan at uscfootball.com if you won, and I will send you... A $50 gift card. It's a physical card. It's going to send it in the mail. It's not a virtual card. Yes. We should probably work on those. Like, you know, that might be easier. I could email people instead of. Yeah. I use a stamp every time. That's okay. I don't mind using the stamp. It's great to get the reviews. This is like the second time you've complained about mailing things on this podcast. Have you? When's the last time you mailed something? There we go. So, <laughs> I was thinking hard. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. So I'm doing it uh, every week. But so we we got a bunch of reviews. We thank you for all of them. We have a, a few favorites. So Keely will read them, and then yes. we'll pick our favorite. Yes, I, it's always hard. It's like picking your children. Everyone gives such great effort. So we appreciate it. First one up is from Tracy of Troy. She left us five stars and said, "Fearless flyers, ahoy, mateys. Whether it is sweet tooth marinated steak tips, Abraham, or spud loving, can we have a bingo?" card keely this is a must-have podcast for essential trojan football fodder with us through the era of captain clay like a dante williams shadow corner the uscfootball.com crew makes life in trojan land as sweet as corn pudding we needn't wonder which way former wide receiver shoddy is wearing his hat as he tallies charts and reports every false move our modified air raid or what proximity Corey foreman is to vic soto Chris, the cousin with stage fright Trevino, also known as Sonor Sack, defensive end, is a delectable, addictive addition to the on-air talent like TJ's new chocolate peanut butter ice cream. That makes up for the back-in-the-day vanilla Harvey infomercial, infom- excuse me, infomercials on socks, shoes, and what his UNLV team did in the 1980s. Compact 
yet essential, much like Trader Joe's, I thank the podcast gods for year-round coverage on the mighty USS Trojan as it launches into shark-infested waters each year. <laughs> With multiple emojis. Wow, a lot about... Thank you, Tracy and Troy. Yeah, uh, sorry, that was mouthful. Like, seemed like uh, she's a new listener, didn't really know the team very well, but that's okay, you know. Hopefully, since she's a new <laughs> listener, she knows that you're being very sarcastic right now. <laughs> very good, Tracy. We got another one from DC, five stars. Uh who said I have been a long time SC fan but I must admit I found I just found your pod my apologies having said that you guys are like a warm blanket during these glacially frigid times I call the Helton age I get so pumped and motivated listening to you all break down what you see in practice now that they're open again and the highlights of new players the potential you see on the field and how much better the recruits are then Helton leads us on a long walk off a short plank no matter what happens on the field my ears are all yours thanks everyone fight on that's nice all right, thanks DC how did you just find us you know you know why? People left five star reviews. Maybe and popped up into May, uh, their feed. Yeah. Maybe. See, that's how. That's why we asked for the five star reviews so DC could see this show. See, there you go. We got a five star from Mike who said, uh, "Wrong butt team," <laughs> <laughs> and he left the comment that said, "USC's butt." Mike from Fort Worth, Texas. Ryan, that comment is just iconic at this point. I don't know where uh, Mike's coming from on this one. Um, he listens to the podcast oh, clearly. Probably that. Yeah, yeah. Mike. Uh, you are right. USC is butt. Here's the thing. Like <laughs> oh USC was butt. Okay. Last, past what if we here. just x nay the butte? It's all. It's in the review. Like we have to address it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Stanford is still butt. Like they are. Oh they are not going to be good. We have an email about this. You can address okay. it. Okay. And then we have a final five star review from SoCal Pisces twenty nine who said Trojan podcast ex- excellence. Thank you for continuing to create excellent podcasts week after week after week. The Peristyle Podcast is my go-to source for everything Trojan athletics. Each episode is full of insightful, relevant, and fun conversations. You never miss a timely announcement, breaking news, regardless of the date and time, including emergency podcast content, and thoroughly disseminate everything listeners could ever want to know about USC football. I love this show. Lots of cool emojis. Thank Thank you. you. A lot of cool emojis. Thank you. All the good ones. And the ones we didn't read, we're not going to read them all because we get a bunch, but um, we do appreciate them all. Yeah, you guys are very nice. But I think we got to go to Tracy or Troy. What do you think? I think so. It was very creative. I Mouthful, mean, but creative. They mentioned every one of us that's ever and been on the, the little podcast. Tips and tricks, oh, the yeah. bingo card. Yeah. I don't like that she mentioned Trevino. Like, I don't think he deserves <laughs> to be on the, the reviews yet, you know? He is a star in the making. <laughs> he is. As his producer, I will stick up for him. He's he's very good. Um, yes. I like what he's doing. So I feel like he's very comfortable now. So yeah. I, I'm glad that the, the reviewers are acknowledging. Um, it's kind of like when you're like you have a carrot in your hand for the horse you just gotta stay still and he's coming closer to the mm. podcast mic and you know are you gonna make him a permanent member like Ryan like, please uh, talk to my people I don't answer these oh, questions cause like Shotgun didn't even show up for the last podcast I know so. I know well, yeah our apologies we'll, we'll send all your money back for, uh, <laughs> because we didn't get you didn't get a shotgun on the last family oh my feud. goodness yeah uh, but thank you Trader Troy so email me uh, Ryan at uscfootball.com and I will send you a Trader Joe's gift card for $50 so thank you so much and thanks to Trader Joe's yeah she got a lot of uh, Trader Joe's play, like the corn pudding like she remembered and Dan. that was a yeah that was a, Dan a Danism favorite. yeah that's so. what I'm saying that was there was a lot of effort put into that there was some effort uh, okay so we'll go back to our Breaking news. Uh, this has been a crazy week. We've seen coach firings before. Yes. I don't think people were celebrating as much when Lane Kiffin got fired. Like there was sort of like a, a ha ha funny part to it. Like they, Pat Hayden should have fired him before the season. And then like 
they get embarrassed at Arizona State and he gets the tarmac thing sort of trumped everything. It was kind of meme worthy. It was yeah, there was there was something weird about it. like the Sark thing was mostly sad. Yeah. Not people weren't sad to see him go, but like you didn't people weren't like clamoring for him to be fired like a year and four games into his tenure or whatever yeah. it was. Um so and obviously the substance abuse stuff like that that just made it more sad than anything. Yeah, it was unfortunate. This was like I mean, euphoric towards the like the fans are I've never seen them this happy like outside of like winning a national championship. Like <laughs> wow. they literally have, like we had record numbers for everything we've done. Yeah. Since then. Like yeah. it felt like there was a weight lifted. And I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but like, we're just seeing the results of so many people tuned out because of Clay Helton. And the fact, once he got fired, it was like dogs and cats, it's like the Ghostbusters lines, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It's mass hysteria out there. The Fans are like, yeah. they were fighting over anything are like hugging now. It's really weird <laughs> to be honest. And like, we knew, I thought I knew the level of apathy. But I think seeing the fans come back this past week has kind of blown me away that a lot of people were way more apathetic than I, I think I fully realized. But I mean, like I see people in my mentions all the time. Like you get to know people just by like the the picture and whatever. I am shocked by some of the the Twitter users and how positive they sound this week. Like mm. that was not their MO for the last couple of years. So it's just it's really just the whole thing is so surreal. But I mean the fans meant it they really wanted health and gone and now they're they're coming back in full force i mean the p is popping it's insane it, it's yeah, i would post a some a story or something and i'm like hey where is it on the p and you have to scroll way down like yeah. i just posted this yeah it's like at the bottom of the page yeah the level of apathy so in our business like if you're on twitter um and you see people like there's vocal people right it's it's usually the vocal minority and not mm -hmm. that they have the minority opinion, but that's not like they don't speak for everyone. Yeah. People are complaining on the peristyle on our premium message board over at uscfootball.com. By the way, if you're not a member, 60% off sale, we're doing a sale for the coaching search, tons of great recruiting content about all what the recruits are saying about the firing. Our hot board is popping. Gerard made it look awesome. It's the best hot board out there. Make sure you go check it out. For the coach stuff, but 60% off if you're not a member, this is the time to do it. Just go jump in. But the level of like usually when you see people posting on the peristyle, and there's a lot of people posting, that's maybe 10% of the group. They think if you're on the peristyle, you're like, oh, this is all of us. Like the people that post regularly, we're everybody. You are a very small portion. Most people are lurkers. They read. So many lurkers. Yeah. They read. So if you hear people complaining, oh, I'm canceling my tickets. Oh, I'm not going to the Coliseum. I am not. And you're like, okay, well, that's just the loud people. That's not necessarily everyone. And when people are like, I'm checking out until Helton's gone, you're like, okay, that's some. Like, there's, and it felt significant, but it was obviously even more than we thought. Yeah. Because the people that, yeah. like, so many people have come back just after him being fired. And yeah. people are posting on the peristyle again. They're, you know, tweet, whatever it is. We had, we did our emergency um, tunnel vision. Uh, it has like, like 14,000 views. <laughs> it was crazy. crazy. And we had like almost 2,000 people watching live, live where, yeah. you know, three, 400 is big, an awesome day for a live, you know? Yeah. And we had five times that because, and it was at 4.30 in the afternoon. It wasn't at 7 p.m. Like yeah. when you normally yeah. would go, you know, the worst time people cared. Like they, they it wasn't yeah. just about the news. It was like 
Hilton's gone. Like they like they've it's like they've wished for this forever. It's been the thing where people are like, well, where were you when you found out? <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's like some historical event. And the crazy thing, too, I've heard from sources that like they immediately got donations, like <laughs> re-up ticket sales. Like people meant what they said. Yeah. Like uh, we've heard that it's trickled in. Like people are actually re-supporting the team because of Helton is gone. Yeah. And I mean, Oregon State, I'm really curious what that atmosphere is going to be like, because I thought the atmosphere was good against Stanford. And I think fans are... I. At least what the P is saying, and like you mentioned before, it's a mi- minority, but it sounds like the P is trying to organize some fan support for Oregon State to kind of send a message that they are happy at the state of the program, at least where it's headed right now. I think that would be a great move by fans to just show up in droves for that game. And it was funny, I was listening to like the Yahoo Sports podcast. Um, Pete Thamel's on there, I like, you know, like Pete, friend of mine. He was talking about like, you know, they were talking about the environment of the Coliseum, how it could be great. But he's like, it's not going to be great for like Dante Williams and Oregon State. And I was like, it might be because they're so happy. And it was a really good environment for Stanford. Yeah. Like it was popping. And the student section was going off. Like they just, I mean, the light, when they turn the lights out, it's going to be another night game. Yeah. I mean, if they can have some more tailgating and stuff, like this is, you know, you're selling beer again. Helton's gone. Like there, I think there's going to be a bunch of people at that game. If we if USC wins this weekend, if USC loses yeah, this then, weekend, then yeah, probably all bets are off. But it's interesting because I feel like I was shocked that fans were that supportive for Stanford, given the state of everything. Yeah, and I I think the athletic admin was surprised too because they hadn't really seen a USC crowd. Really, they had the Holiday Bowl, uh, Bonehead Ooh. Cal at Cal, and then. Uh, a day game in the Coliseum. So I think like USC fans really showed out for the Stanford game. And then to have basically a classic Clay Helton performance where there's no way you should lose this and you just look so unprepared and people leave and are disappointed. I think that really sunk in, you know, hundred percent. It was, uh, if you're the athletic department, you're, you're Mike bone, you're Brandon Sosna, you're those guys. You've, you could only control what you can control. And they did a lot of things. They made it, a lot of behind the scenes moves. Yeah. And they got to see the fruits of their labor on the field. And they were like, wow, like people are into this. Like, all we got to do is beat teams we should beat and yeah. we're going to be fine. And so, in my opinion, I didn't talk to them directly about this, but I think they felt like we did all we could do. We packed the place. You know, there was like, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. The environment was good. The recruits were there. There was a lot of recruits. So many there, recruits. And they loved it and they stayed. And, all you had to do was beat a pretty bad Stanford team, yeah. who I would call butt, and <laughs> and they get blown out. Yeah, and so embarrassed. Yeah, embarrassed. absolutely embarrassed. So like, then you're the athletic department. You're like, okay, there's nothing else we could do. Like, we've literally done everything for you. We've made this so much better than it is, and you stunk it up on the field. So it was very clear. It was very clear what needed to be done, and I think it's. It was kind of fortunate in that sense for USC's admin because what happens if you get to the bye week and you're undefeated, but these are really un- unimpressive wins? Like, can you still fire Clay Helton technically? Like, I guess you can do whatever you wanted, but it will be like a hard sell. But this was kind of the opportunity. It, it presented itself for the, the admin because it was just yeah. so embarrassing. It was just like a collective media, fans, everyone. He needs to go now. And everyone knew it. Like if USC lost on like a last second field goal, like, even that can be explained away. Yeah, like this We've one seen was, it be explained away. I mean, I literally asked Clay Helton Sunday night, like you were a seventeen point favorite, 
you were down by 29 in the fourth quarter. Like, what could you and your staff have done differently? And like his answer was, we had a good game plan, you know? And you were like, no, <laughs> like obviously not. Yeah. Like, yeah. like did you have, like you have better players. If you had a good game plan, you would have won. Like it, it's, yeah. and, and that's part of the thing. We don't need to like rehash yeah. that stuff, but it's just like, yeah. Like I, I think you see that. And, and maybe those answers too don't help. Mike Bowen and Brandon Sutton, like they don't want to, they're like, no, that's not the case. Like, yeah. obviously, yeah. you have better players than, um, and there's a, you know, there's going to be a lot of things you could point to the, the staff, the, you know, Bruce Feldman was tweeting out today about the, you know, USC's not top 20 in college football is putting, you know, guys on NFL rosters right now, yeah. despite having multiple top four recruiting classes from that group, you know? Yeah. Um, We've always said development was the issue. Yeah. There's coaching problems, development problems. There's a lot of problems. So yeah, true. I think, you know, Mike Bone came in. We talked about hitting a bunch of singles. People really didn't want to hear it because there was still the elephant in the room with the yeah. Clay Helton thing. All those singles now that you hit make this a more attractive job, I would say. Yes. This is kind of what we've been saying all along. Because look at if, if Mike Bone had fired Clay Helton in 2019, look at the resources that the coach would have at that time. It's not really attractive. It's not a good sell. And for the the type of coach that USC fans want to come to USC, you're not going to get that if you don't have the resources. So all the fans who were clamoring like, oh, this means that they're investing in the program, they're investing in Clay. And to a certain extent, they were. But that also meant that they had a short leash for the support they were giving him. You know, And, and in that time, they've made USC a much more modern college football place. Because beforehand, we've talked about it a lot, they had like just a little bit of a recruiting staff. They had a small, like, you know, there was a lot of things that were wrong with the Nutrition, program. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on everything. and on. Yeah. And so in that time frame, they made adjustments and now it's a much better place to brand, to try and market a, a good coach to come to. And, and that's what frustrated me the whole time because it's like the fans who were saying, well, why are they making those improvements? I think it would be you wouldn't be doing your job as an AD if you didn't do that along the way, you know? I felt like they everyone felt that you were investing in Clay when you were investing in the program yeah. for sure. Um now I will still say and you know, if Mike Bone was sitting next to me and I've, I I think I've told him and Brandon this like they should have fired Clay earlier. Like you just you can fix some of the stuff. Like Pete Carroll came in and I hate when people compare things to Pete Carroll, but they had the worst facilities around, but yeah. he you can make this a successful program without some of that stuff. And USC kept doing it. But college football's changed a lot. It's going to be a lot harder. But I think you get the right coach in and you can make it, you can do those in parallel. You can make the investments. And uh, you might not get every coach you wanted that you could have got today because those investments weren't there. But the person that sees the potential, it's like, okay, I see the potential in this. Like all this needs is a makeover and you got a supermodel. You know, like it's just, okay, like, their hair is not cut right and the makeup's all messed up. It's like, okay. You know, I'm just saying, like, there's, you still see the, you know, or the a house that's just like the best bones in the house. Like, you know, like, all these are awesome. Like, the kitchen needs updating and like, but yeah. I can do all this and I can flip this house and, you know, make millions. Like, that's basically what you were going to get then. Um, but yeah, I know the buyout was huge and all that stuff. But you also have to remember the pandemic as well. I think that threw yes. a huge wrench into things. Well, like, cause if, if you don't do it in 2019 and you're like, okay, we could stomach it in 2020 cause there's only three years left and we're only going to eat like three years. 
then you don't realize a pandemic's coming and you can't do it then either. Well, so also it the- kind of delayed it two years when you might have only you, you might have only wanted to delay it one in 2019, but it, it forced you to delay it too. Well, who's to say the pandemic doesn't happen? USC gets blown out by Alabama in the re- the normal 2020 schedule, and then he's fired. Right. You know. But you, yeah, you, not only the pandemic made it harder. To, to do almost anything because of like yeah. finances and everything. Yeah. But it also just lopped your schedule in half and you took the hard parts and, but poof, throw yeah. it away. Yeah. So anything that could prove Clay Hilton wasn't a good coach was gone. You know, yeah. the only thing that was there was Oregon yeah. and he failed that test. So yeah, I know. I feel there's like a bunch of recap stuff going on, but yeah. So this was a really weird week. The yeah. fans are excited and we love it. I mean, we don't do this so no one listens or reads. Like it, we, you know, we're in a good, good position. I started the site in '96. You know, just being around a long time helps. You know, like we've been around forever. Uh, I think people like what we do. I love the staff that I've put together, and uh, we appreciate all the listeners and stuff. But there are people that just were apathetic, checked out, and I get it. You know, and they tell us, and you know, we the days like the couple of days afterwards, like. Subscription sales were through the roof, like nothing yeah. like we've seen during the Clay Helton there. Like people were just like, I can't tell you how many emails we got that would say, "You guys are awesome. We love the content. Like it's the best USC content around." And it's like, thank you so much, but I don't. I'm not reading it anymore because I can't do it. I don't want yeah. Clay Helton there. And and I I would tell everyone like, totally understand. You know, we'll be here when when he's gone or whatever when or whatever change, reason you want to come yeah. back. Yeah, and it changed and. People are back. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I still like going on the P. I am just surprised, and even just how happy people are in, on Twitter. It's not used to that. I mean, it's it's honestly giving me. I remember when I first started covering the team when I was in college and interning. People were. I forgot that people got excited about the team. <laughs> like it's I, been a while. I genuinely forgot. Like I just was kind of cyber bullied for reporting the team a little bit. And so I'm. I'm just, it's it's crazy just seeing happiness. It's hard because if you do something like, oh, USC picked up a commitment from this five-star whatever running back and then Keeley goes to the camp, the high school and shoots him, you know, work, working out like a practice and then does like a video interview and posts it up like, hey, we got this one-on-one with this five-star commitment. And is that, how awesome is this? And they're like, doesn't matter, Clay Helton. It's like, yeah, it's- oh, okay, I just put it like a week's worth of work into this and like you just poo-pooed it because Clay yeah. Helton's the head coach. Yeah, it was demoralizing for sure, but... It's a new day. A new day. Yes. Uh, I don't think, I mean, I hope they're not coming across as like dancing on somebody's grave. Clay Hilton's going to be fine. He's going to get, I mean, I'm guessing 12 to $15 million in the buyout. Like it's, it's significant uh, what he's going to get on the buyout. Made plenty of money. He can go do whatever he wants now. Um, and we we talked ad nauseum about how great of a person he is. He's a great like, person. We, people know that we have said that many times. Yeah, they get mad sometimes. He's not. I'm like, he is. And like, now he's not your coach. So you could probably call him a nice person now for all those people that were, <coughs> excuse me, hating, we'll on, hating on him. Um, but yeah, I, not dancing on the grave. I've just felt it was, you know, he's not, I don't, I never thought he had the resume to be USC's head coach, you know, and yeah. he did some really good things. There's a lot of things, you know, wouldn't agree with or didn't think he did well. Um, it was a longer run than probably anyone would have expected. But, you know, it's over now. And now it's going to be up to Mike Bone to pick the next head coach. And when you're the athletic director at USC or Texas 
or Ohio State or Alabama, you have one job, and that's to hire the head coach. Like, it's great if you hire an awesome women's water polo coach or whatever. They win championships. All that's great. Like, you want that. You want to win national titles. But if you hire national championship winning coaches in like every Olympic sport and you screw up football, what matters is you screwed up football. Yeah. And that's, it's, unfortunately, that's the reality. So now he's got the opportunity. I think he felt like he was going to have it when he came in in 2019. Didn't happen. Pandemic, all this stuff. Finally, now he gets a chance and he's got a long time. There's a lot of lead time. Yeah. Going into this one. It's unique um, in that sense. Yeah. Well, not unique for USC because... Yes, before Mike Boning Company. Yeah. It's unique that there's an early signing period now. So yeah. before when Sark was fired, there wasn't one. Yeah. So December didn't matter as much. It was February. Well, now December matters for recruiting because that's when you sign everybody. And also, the transfer portal is a thing. So yes. that could play a significant factor in... Attrition both ways. Um, you know, a coach leaves that's popular and players leave with them, or assistants get fired and players leave with them. A new head coach comes in and brings players with them. There's a lot of things that can happen yeah. uh, when there's going to be a coaching transition. So, a lot to unpack there, Keeler. A lot of pieces will be moving. And what's, like we said, what's crazy is this is going to be a couple months process of just, yes. I mean, we're not even past the week and I'm already sick of social media and their <laughs> coaching predictions. You know, it's every name possible has come out so far. And it's just, it's a little, it's a little much. There's a lot. Um, and I, I genuinely don't feel that Mike Bone has a, candidate yet like i think he's i think they've i think they're smart and they've done research um a lot like i think they've researched this a ton and they have a list or a group i mean whatever they have people that would be good candidates and pros cons all that kind of stuff i i i guarantee you that that exists i don't think there's a here's the guy we're going to hire and we're just not going to announce it yet. Uh, I give him props for not uh, leaking the, the firing. Yeah. They got a chance to tell, you know, the players, players themselves. So that was cool. I think they're going to be, you know, it was a pretty short list of people that were involved in that. Yeah. I think it's going to be the same. There's no search firm. Yeah. You know, Mike Bowen, Brandon Sosna, you know, if he talks to the president, the, you know, board of trustees, whatever it is, probably not even them. Um, for who they're looking for. And uh, I think it'll be fairly quiet, but I feel, I feel it's going to be a good process. And that's all you can ask for. Like interview the right people, see who you think is going to be the best fit. And then at, at the end of the day, it's going to be their call. You're, you're deciding between a couple people and maybe more fans want this guy over that guy, but they feel this one's going to be a better fit. Like that's what they're paid to do. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be a good process. I'm just curious to see how it ends up. Yeah. I mean, we've had coaching searches happen in the year, year and a half that Mike Bowen and company have been at USC. And their process based on that has just been very quiet. They are very quiet. They make sure that nothing leaks. It's not told to many people. That way it won't leak. And so usually if you're hearing things, it's coming from the agent side of things. Um, and sometimes that's just to get your client more money or something like that. So that's why you can kind of see the, oh, na- yeah. the name circus happen. 
Um, but even like when it came down to the Clay McGuire hiring, like they didn't even really want to put out which candidates they were interviewing. And that was just the offensive line coach, you know, so it's going to be a quiet process on the on the USC side of things. So that's just something that USC fans sh- should probably know up front because that's how they operate. But I think that's a good way to operate. And I think it also signals that they're taking this very seriously. And that's I don't think that's something we can say for past 80s at USC. No, they're incompetence like up the wazoo yeah yeah so i think you know this since mike bone came to usc i think the message has been like please trust us like we are taking this seriously and i think now is like when they actually have to prove it you know they yeah. they made the big move and now you are either gonna have them trust you and totally believe in you or they're gonna really question you and this is kind of gonna make it or break it in that sense and so i think they know that i think they feel that pressure where they know that they can't screw this up no especially because they have so much time to vet candidates and and make sure they're picking the right person so i think there's a sense of obvious ownership about making the right decision and i think that in itself is good because i feel like in the past it was like oh i'm I'm getting my buddy or i he knows the fight song that's all that matters you know i think they are very aware of not only the state of usc football but its fans and what they want and so i think that's a big upgrade in itself because that we haven't seen that in the past yeah you won't have to hear me say don't hire someone that knows the fight song i won't have to say those kind of things yeah you won't have to list criteria that are very obvious (laughs) right they're just like oh just get someone that other people want Want. like that's what they're going to do because that's what People normally do good people that are good at their jobs. That's what they would do, not hire the the one that nobody thinks of. And, you know, so, I, yeah, I feel like this is going to uh, be really interesting. It'll be, uh, you know, well thought out. The problem, if you're going to fire Clay Helton, no one really needs to know. You can keep it in house. You're going to hire a coach. You have to talk. You have to talk to people. Yeah. You talk to agents. Yeah. So there will be leaks. There will be leaks. Not from the USC side, probably, yes. but from like an agent that you talk to. And if it, you know, if it's a, if it's James Franklin, I think his agent's been pretty notorious for like leaking stuff out there, or just like you know, get. There's the one guarantee is there's going to be a lot of people getting raises because of this yes. job. But it's a high profile job. I think Bruce Feldman, the Athletic, came up with. Uh, they polled a bunch of coaches across the country, who were the top five jobs, or t- I think USC came in at six. And they said that's probably some more recency bias. I would say it's a top five uh, job as far as that goes. Like Oregon's not up there, you know, like um, it's not even the 20, it's like not even top 20. USC is still that job. And there's, when there's, when it's down like that too, and you know, you can turn, it's a lot easier to turn USC around than it would be to turn around like Washington, which is a good program and stuff. But if they're, they're in the crapper, like, oh, and 12, like it's going to take Sark a while for him to dig out of there. I mean, a program like Iowa State, like what Matt Campbell did, like that's never won. Those, those are really hard yeah. fixes. They're hard. USC is not like you have recruits everywhere. You don't have competition essentially. Like who's your competition? Like oh, you just have to out recruit Oregon. You know, like USC has a pulse as a head coach. You beat Oregon for those recruits. You know, and I mean, I'm just being honest here. Like you look at this job as like I could sleepwalk my way to 10 wins at this job and you have to try to screw it up which basically usc's done for a long time so i think that's still a very attractive place would you rather be in the sec with like five six seven programs that are as prestigious as you that could beat you any given day like 
nobody's close to USC on the West Coast. Like, yeah. um, I think Pete Thamel said on the, his podcast, it was like, no one can touch you for recruits within like 1,500 miles of your campus. Like, if you are good, you will get who you want, like anywhere near you, like within, you know, two time zones. So that's the attractiveness of USC. And that's why I feel like you can get somebody really good to come in. And um, there are good candidates. I sort of go back and forth. Um, maybe we'll get who you think. I'll give you a couple that I oh, like. Goodness. Or do you don't want to? I mean, it's it's early. I, it's early. What's funny is we had the rule on Tunnel Vision that was like, until there's an opening, we don't talk about potential candidates. There's an opening. <laughs> Poor car drivers just like Sorry swerved off the Did road. I, is that loud? No, but it was also Wasn't scary. Too loud. It was um, scary. <laughs> so like I haven't let it's not October yet. I haven't let myself actually think about possible like candidates. Like just because I adopted the tunnel vision rule. Like oh. it's it's interesting. So I'm 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 gonna wait. Okay. Also just because sourcing wise, it's just interesting the the bits I'm hearing. So yeah. I, I don't know if I can fully weigh in. We're gonna um, biased. So like I said, we're we have a sale on if you're not a VIP member to uscfootball.com. Go over there, 60% off. Our hot board is really extensive. There's a lot of information in there. You can check it out. But our war room Friday morning is going to be really long, probably like four, 5,000 words. It's going to be a lot. Oy. We got a lot of stuff, I'm sure, that's going in there for recruiting side, from the team side. So we'll have a bunch of interesting thoughts in there. Yeah. But I mean, the when people ask me on the radio or whatever, like the first name comes up is Luke Fickle, head coach at Cincinnati, because Mike Bone already hired him once right he's he did there's and and it's great because every single candidate there's going to be people that are like no way and then there's gonna be somebody like yeah he's a grand slam and it's it's funny that people it's just different opinions right and yeah. it doesn't have to be that black or white like you know i think there's guys that are like these guys look pretty good and you can interview them and maybe you like them maybe you don't that's the part is like you look at their here's their resume but if you bring him in for an interview and it's like, you know, it just doesn't seem like he would fit in Los Angeles, then that's probably not going to be the candidate you want. Um, you know, I talk to people at Cincinnati and it's like, the problem is there is a hierarchy in college football. There is. Cincinnati is nowhere near where USC is. But there's reasons like someone would want to stay at Cincinnati. And Luke Fickle, I think, has a lot of them with, yeah. you know, the fact that they are joining the Big 12. Uh, and he's been an Ohio guy forever. Mm -hmm. He knows everything in Ohio. Um, you know, he could potentially be up for the Ohio State job if Ryan Day goes to the NFL or something. So even though, like, there's a pretty clear difference in hierarchy between USC and Cincinnati, you could get a coach that just wants to stay there for a while, you know? And and that's that's fine, too. But it's someone that you would still want to talk to. And I think they will. And I love what Matt Campbell was able to do. At Iowa State, uh, just you know, no, I don't know how many people won there. Like nobody. Like you know, he's crushed it there um, compared to what they've done in the past. So you know, but can you you can turn that team around? That's a Power Five job. It's not a Group of Five job like what Luke Fickle has. Um, but you know, bigger names like James Franklin, you know, comes up a lot. Bruce Feldman's, you know, been big on him for a while. Uh, I mean, he won the you know Ohio State. You think they win the Big Ten every year, right? He won the Big Ten. Now, USC fans hate it because Clay Helton beat him in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. But, you know, Sam Darnold, like, like it's it's gone kind of downhill there. But he's, um, you know, he's got, they got the number one recruiting class in the country right now. Like, he's doing really well. He's done some really good things. I know Keely's got this look on her face. No, like, <laughs> you're not supposed to rat me out like oh, that. I, I don't fully, to be quite frank, I don't get the full appeal of James Franklin. 
He had Vanderbilt like ranked a couple of times, like Vanderbilt. Like, I, yeah, I know. They are god-awful. And I then just... he's done some – I mean, to win the Big Ten in the last five years at Penn State, like that's pretty good compared to like – they're like the th- number three brand in that conference, and Ohio State is a freaking juggernaut, and they won the conference, you know? But he lost to Clay Hilton in the Rose Bowl. I know, but that was like a crazy whatever, but <laughs> – Okay, uh, sure. But okay, but I mean – But I've said – okay. One game, like Chris Peterson lost to – to Clay Helton, like, sure, you sure, don't think sure, he's sure. a really good coach? Okay, like, yes, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, just, I hate that. I, like, he lost one game to Clay. Sure, Helton. that's not my main reasoning. I just don't have any real good reason outside of me just being like, I don't get the view. I'm not saying he's the greatest candidate, but like, I think he's someone that would be considered, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, the Chris Peterson and Bob Stoops things are interesting because they're both in Los Angeles working right now for Fox. Uh, you hear different things about. Never want to leave retirement to, oh, they want to come back. And so who knows? You know, those things are hard to say. Of course, Urban Meyer's name comes up a lot. He said, no way, and all that stuff. He's he's coached the Jaguars for one game. Um, but I think he's going to learn that, like, you're going to – I mean, the Texans are a pretty terrible team, and they lost their star quarterback, and they still beat the Jaguars. So this could be an 0-16 thing for the Jaguars. Like, if they start out 0-8, do you think – like, is he going to stay? Like, I don't know. Is he going to pull a Bobby Petrino and get the hell out of there? I do not uh, know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But that's a weird one, too. NFL makes it tough now because their season goes so much longer and mm-hmm. the, the recruiting yeah. period yeah. Um, goes on. And I'm, I'm not a huge coordinator guy, but, like, uh, Eric Bieniemy's name comes up a bunch. Mike Bowen already fired him once. He so. fired him in Colorado. That's yeah. what I'll say. I'm not – like, the people were, like, telling me, like, he's a grand slam, like, you can't be a grand slam if you don't have any coaching experience, head coaching experience, you know? Um, they're, they're, I mean, he could be, but he, he's not a guaranteed home run, you know? Like, he's never ran a program before. Like, I don't think that makes you a guarantee. And I've I've heard mixed things about Bill O'Brien. Like, I, I sort of like USC's connection to the offensive coordinator, Alabama. I think that needs to end. Like, it's gone one way. I don't know if it needs to go the other. Like, USC's provided head coaches to become their offensive coordinator. I don't think you want it to go in reverse. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that just, that's just my personal opinion. Okay. That's a very Ryan take. All I'll <laughs> say is that uh, I think I've said in prior podcasts that, um, like, people just think it's an automatic slam dunk about Fickle just because of the bone connection. But, like, because they have that connection, I think that's why it makes it less obvious, just because they know Fickle is an Ohio guy. Like, it's he's very Midwest, and it's not just a slam dunk thing, let alone – and we've said this before, like Mike Bone and Brandon Saza have a, a certain strategy for hiring a certain coach based on the location, the recruits, et cetera, et cetera. So that doesn't mean that Fickle will just automatically be successful if you plug them into USC job, you know? So yeah. they, they still got to go through it. But I will say, hearing from sources, USC's gotten a good amount of interest already. Yeah. And and I think they were a little surprised by that. So Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's somewhat... It, there's going to be interest there, you know, and yeah. for sure, because it is a very attractive job. And the thing is, people realize it's like, it's like if you bought this house that was awesome and it was like, and you ran into the ground and it's like got graffiti on it and all this stuff, but it's like, it's a corner lot and it's in the best neighborhood and like super great bones and all that stuff. And you're a real estate developer. You can look at that and go, yeah, there's spray painted, uh, boobies on the front or something oh my I, goodness I know, make it so, like whatever like there's graffiti on it i like the big keeling <laughs> you could say that on the podcast i, guess. I um, just can't wait till we're, we're clipped out of context and 
I get trashed. <laughs> oh, well, so you look, you're a good real estate developer and you go, that's all very easily fixable. And once I do, once I paint the outside of the house, add some shrubbery, uh, yes. you know, fix the roof, people are going to go, wow, this is a mansion on a corner lot in the best neighborhood. And it looks amazing inside. It's all updated. And it like triples and like people realize the potential that USC has endless potential. And yeah. it's like, not only that, like a lot of times you don't want the best house in a neighborhood. So maybe that's not the, uh, the, the greatest analogy, but it is the best house in the neighborhood. And in the, in college football, that's good. Like in real estate, you don't necessarily want the best house in the neighborhood and college football. It's good. You know, if you're in the sec, there's mansions that look exactly like yours, like across the street and down the street. And it makes it difficult, you yep. know, and this is, you know, they have one house that stands out and it's USC. And so a, all the coaches can see that. Like if you have any faith in yourself, if you know, like, yeah. I'm a really good coach, the players they have should be better, but I can take those players and beat everybody in the Pac-12. Yeah. And then I will get better players yeah. and beat the crap out of everybody in the Pac-12 and go to the playoff. That's what a alpha coach looks at this job and sees. So what your sources are saying, that would make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I was not surprised by what they told me. But also think about how much USC itself could be a power player going forward. TV rights deal, NIL, the alliance realignment. Like you could be you could have a lot of leverage if you're the coach of USC and and make USC really prominent nationally again you know like there's 100%. a lot coming up where not only for the head coach but for USC's admin this is a big deal this choice you make can kind of determine how much you can sway things in all the the discussions that will happen in the next couple of years yeah with George Klayovkov coming in there i mean he's saying parity's out the door what's going to matter is our big brands and yeah Starts with USC. And if you're a coach, that's a big brand waiting to be bigger. Yes. And, uh, you know, Alabama was just weird before Saban took it over. Like, just, it just weird. It just wasn't, you know, it's, it's still, you got the tradition, you got the stuff, but they were, you know, floundering around. And you get the right coach and boom, you make it happen, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, USC did that with Pete Carroll. You just have to get the right coach. And unfortunately for USC, they've had such poor leadership. You've like steer, they steered away from success. Like they avoided success because they wanted control and they wanted, uh, you know, just to have everything stay the same. Where if you brought in a alpha coach that's going to run everything and do it their way, you're going to get pushed to the side. So you got to, you know, Mike Bone, they just have to have no egos and just be like, we want to bring in the most powerful coach we can. Let him run the ship and we will get, we hire him and we get out of the way and let him do their job. Yep. You know, I mean, Clay, I mean, they were involved in Clay Helton's staff, you know, like you had the athletic department, like helping the head coach, like hire people because his track record of hiring people was poor. I like, mean, I will say apparently, apparently he had a good say in the hires that were made under Mike Bone. A good say. Okay. So that yeah. if you just say like if he had better than a good say, that's like a fireable offense. Okay. Your athletic director should never have to hire your coaches for you. Like that's what you do. Ryan, have I been covering USC for too long? <laughs> no, because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'm not coming down on you. No, 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 I know you're not. It's and it's not like uh, yeah for the people that say Mike Bone made the hire and just said, hey Clay, take this guy. I think. No, Clay definitely sure. had, had Clay had a say in it. 
the athletic department was involved. Like they just were like the hires under him were way different than the hires prior to him. What I was saying, no, I was just saying that I've been covering USC for so long that I forgot that it's not normal for the AD <laughs> to be that involved. <laughs> to help. Like and it wasn't like, I don't think it was a meddling AD. Like you could have meddling ADs. No, it wasn't that. I think it was literally you're trying to help because. You need support. Yeah. Because your record of hiring people has been like in this small insular you know, like, here's where we're going to get and not like, let's get a strength coach who hasn't worked in college for five years, as opposed to going out and getting someone who's actually a good. Well, strength- this is where I have to jump in again. This, to be fair, apparently the financials were not there for Helton at times where they had to make things they had to make do. Like yeah. Lynn Swan wasn't very willing to, you know, open up the purse strings. Right. And I, I think that's true. And I think that's fair. But again, if Nick Saban was the head coach and the athletic director said, mm, we're not going to do that, he makes it happen. Sure. And like, you have to be a strong figure to say, okay, well, I'm going to go to the media and say, I was trying to hire this guy and the athletic department won't do it. Like, okay, okay, yeah. we'll hire the guy. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to like throw, you're the head coach of USC. Throw your don't weight. be happy to be there. Throw your weight around. Yeah. Like, you can make things happen. You don't just have to say, well, uh, that administrator over there told me this. It's like, screw that administrator. You're the head coach at USC. You sure. Know? And to, he's a very nice guy. He's not someone that would do that. But some, if you're not getting the resources you need and you wanted to get a better strength coach or you wanted to yeah. get a better staff, you better get, get up and fight for that. You know, and um, There's no one can convince me he couldn't have fought for better people than he got and just accepted whatever was given to him because he was someone that was happy to be there. Sorry, I don't want to be like bashing Clay, but I feel like I'm doing that here. But this is what you need. Like, this is why USC's had such poor leadership. You have allowed this to happen with Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan. Like, I don't blame Clay Helton for taking the job, like, and try to keep the job as long as he can. I would take that if someone gave me the job and I'm not qualified, I would take it. You know, it was up to the the administration is where I have the issues with. So Mm -hmm. I think we have a question on that a little bit later. I think we do. Also, this is a very long pre-question little little segment i'm sorry we just kind of went off a little bit we did we're riffing we didn't even talk about the week of practice (laughs) oh my god that Uh, happened too usc also has an opponent they're playing on saturday i forget at times washington state yes uh okay week of practice dante williams he's interim head coach interim head coach we got to talk to him multiple times this week three times well once well we saw him twice yeah we we talked to him twice we saw him on trojan or trojans live whatever it's called. Um, so I'm there. I thought he was a little, maybe a little nervous the Tuesday practice. I felt he was a lot better Thursday morning. I don't well, know. There was you, a ton of people there on Tuesday. There was Tuesday. a lot of people on Tuesday. It was, just, it was just thrust, you know, thrown it into was, the job. It was a lot. I thought he did fine, but I thought he did better on Thursday morning. He even had Much like more phone problems. Yeah. And he was like walking around, talking, and just, I think he had his talking points. And uh, he was like pretty honest. Like, yeah, I'm not really a morning person. like doing this media thing at eight in the morning. And, but then he also said, I went to bed at one and I wake up at five. So he li- he said the most time he's had to himself this week has been in the shower, <laughs> which is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's time been, management was his biggest challenge. Yeah. Been a crazy week for him. I can uh, assume uh, from what I've heard, he was told just before they told the team. Yes. So he had a very quick turnaround to be okay. 
I am now the interim head coach of USC, so that's an interesting uh, development for Hello, him. Hello, new team. I was just coming out of the bathroom, and now I'm the head coach. Like I didn't <laughs> yeah, know that. A, a lot to process there. Um, Todd Orlando said that the defense is trying to pick up some more responsibilities to try and uh, make his load easier because he's split in a million pieces right now. Uh, Craig Nivar is going to take up more responsibility of the secondary. It won't be just split up by cornerbacks and safeties. And interesting thing, two back-to-back full pad practices, Ryan. And if anyone knows us, we've been on full pad watch for way too long. <laughs> we have. Um, yeah. So what did you think about that? Like, It's such an easy win. Such an easy win. They're so... <laughs> Mike Bone comes in. So many easy wins, right? Like, uh, Song Girls, you can come back to the basketball game. We're not going to kick you out anymore. Like, just really simple stuff. Sure. And like, and I, I mean, we barked about that so often. Shouts to Dan Weber. How did Clay Hilton never do that? Just like, you know, we like we we, did, we felt we got beat up a little bit last week at the game. We weren't physical enough. I came out. We did full pads again on Wednesday, which we normally don't do. Like, ooh, like it's like okay, they're take they're doing something, you know. And well, I think that requires being real about the state of affairs, and I feel like that was always lacking to a certain extent. You know, just him saying, yeah, Graham really found his rhythm play calling in the fourth quarter against Stanford. It was a blowout. Like <laughs> they put their backups in it, like that. Like it just like there was a piece where it felt like at times, at least in the statement said to us, reality was missing a little bit. And yeah. so I think that extended to a lot of things where if you did have to say, hey, we changed things up and we put on full pads that has to you have to admit, yeah, we messed up. We didn't do right. But I think. A different coach might have said, but I know we can fix it, and this is what we're doing. But I just felt like it was kind of almost like if we start admitting mistakes, then the snowball will happen, and then it all the house of cards will come down. You know, it, yeah. it felt like that vibe where instead of just being real and authentic about what we all were seeing, it was kind of this like distraction thing with the media. Yes. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of the distraction thing. Yes, the <laughs> distraction thing. The distraction thing. Uh, <sighs> My goodness. Okay, so what else happened this week? Um, um, so injury wise, uh, Nick Figueroa and Nick Figueroa Foreman can come back potentially. I am gonna my own injury report. I'm gonna put Nick Figueroa as questionable. Okay. I think Dante is saying he's okay. When I I don't he we didn't really see him practice this week. Yeah. It sounded like he played too early. Um, it sounds uh, like in hindsight he probably should have sat out the Stanford game. Port Augustine did a little bit, yes. But you got to give him credit for having hard and trying to get his team sure. to win. Um, so that is something to watch for. Corey Foreman. Uh, all the coaches have said he's good. Vic Soto said it's as much as we can get out of him. I think on Saturday he didn't practice that much during the week, so then they didn't feel like they could use him that much in the game. So that's why he only was in two snaps. So we'll see. We'll see for sure. All right. Um, let's see. So that's injury stuff. Yes. Practice stuff. <laughs> this is usually the stuff we talk about. And now we're like, well, how do we cover Yeah, we had, like, it's hard to get into it. Yeah, like uh, Washington State, they're a mess. Uh, so I was on with the Pac-12 radio guys. Um, Ryan Leaf was on the show. And we mm-hmm. he, he asked me, like, because he's a Coug. You know, he's like, hey, can my Cougs, like, pull off the upset? And I'm like, well, you know, you got two really stable teams here. Um, you know, USC and Washington State, which obviously is – facetious because you know washington state like the governor of the state of washington wants nick rolovich to be gone as the head coach because he won't get the shot and uh is defiant about it and then obviously usc loses their head coach 
So Ryan Leaf called this the Chaos Bowl. So uh, feel free to use that. I thought it was cool. Like the Chaos. Bowl. Yeah, Washington State's a ca- they lost to Utah State in the opener. Right. Like gave up 15 points in the fourth quarter and, and lost that game. Uh, they blew out like Portland State last week or something. Apparently, it's, a, it's supposed to rain too. A little rain action. Don't it's going to be saw the any Chaos wet ball, ball drills though. Didn't know we didn't. Uh, Chaos Bowl. So I kind of like that. Ryan chaos Leaf ball. said I was allowed to use it. So okay. I'm, you have yeah, permission. we're good. Yes. Okay. Uh, cool. So this is the Chaos Bowl. Nick Rolovich, I, I feel like there's, if you had, I asked David Woods, like coming into the season, and I'll ask you this, Keely. So mm-hmm. like say a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever. I give you Nick Rolovich, Clay Helton, Herm Edwards. Who's fired first? Who would you have said? Sorry, can I get the list again? Yeah. Nick Rolovich, mm-hmm. Clay Helton, Herm Edwards. Like who would have been fired first? Like, are you telling me this and, and whether or not I believe Like a you? week ago. No, who would you have said? Any of them? I will, but, but Helton last. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could say Helton Rolovich. Second. Rolovich would be the number one. Sure. Like we were, because, but you could also say that like literally, something like, came out and with Arizona State and that's why Herm Right, like, like tomorrow, like the NCAA decides that, that you know, Herm Edwards could be gone any second. Like literally the other shoe could drop at any time. But Rolovich has like an actual deadline, like state employees have to be vaccinated by like October 18th or something. And he's not saying if he's getting the shot out, he's only saying he'll follow the mandate. So like, there's like, this has been going on. Like it's craziness, but then Helton like sneaks in there. Like, would you thought like maybe mid season or maybe end of season? I don't know. So he snuck in there. College football is crazy. It's it. That's why this is the chaos ball. So chaos ball. Uh, they're going to, they, they run the run and shoot. They throw the ball around. Uh, Max Borgie, really good running back. Um, he catches the ball. He's uh, up for the Blitnikoff. And for the Doak Walker, like the only player that's that's you know that's up for both awards, um, he didn't get to play against USC last season. No, he was not in that game. Yeah. So, um, and USC came out and blitzkrieged uh, Wazoo in the first quarter, and then like took a nap uh, for the next forty-five minutes or so. Amon Ross St. Brown went off, but that's the issue. You there don't was like have three touchdowns in the first quarter. Right? Yeah, you don't have an Amon Ross St. Brown out there anymore. So mm. you gotta you gotta scheme some guys open. Yeah. So. But the last 45 minutes of that game were pretty boring for USC fans. True. Was it like 31 to something? Or was that right? Or was it like... It was kind of like running out the clock. Yeah. For 45 minutes. It, it felt like when we cover high school games. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. So, all right. We'll see what happens uh, with USC up on the Palouse. Keely and Shotgun will both be there. We will be there. I was going to go. And I was just like, eh. <laughs> I don't want to be in the rain and stuff. Plus, I'll be able to watch a lot of college football here, which would be great. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I like I watch the whole Pac-12. Podcast of Champions. True. You know? I took the lead. Well, I uh, beat beat Dave this week, so that was good in our picks. Proud of you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and answer your questions back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How did we talk for like an hour? Did we? Yeah. I mean, given the week that was, it makes sense. Yeah, should I uh, go back and... Short it a little, like take out the beginning part where I my voice cracked. No, now, that's the best part. I'll leave it in there. Good. You, you know, I'm too lazy to not leave it in. That's true. I, I can always bank on your laziness. Or just, let, just let it in there. <laughs> uh, well, if it comes to this stuff, I'm like, I'll I'll redo it if I have to do it. But like, if I don't, I'm like, eh, that's okay. I think everyone knows this by now. <laughs> yes. I'm a one-take man. Just do it You are. Take. And this, this is, is definitely a one-take podcast. Yes. I'll say that. Uh, I'm not going to remove any words I said that made Keely cringe. Yeah. But I won't re-say them because I don't want to make Good. Her Let's just cross yet. our fingers that you don't get canceled. <laughs> I don't want to be canceled. No. no. Shall yeah. we get into some questions? Yeah, let's boss do it. Man? Uh, we had a text from Jarrett from San Clemente who said, do you expect any quote-unquote first day in office type of executive decisions by Dante, such as maybe more playing time for a player or a schematic change? So I think the playing time thing is going to come into play. I think um, so too. Yeah, I think you're going to see some guys like I, if I'd be shocked if we don't see more Kyle Ford, um, you know, I mean, the mindset we've heard from the corners, you know, in fall camp and talking to them throughout last season, Dante never says the spot is is solid. You know, you're, it's not etched in stone. And even like Chris Steele, we'd be like, OK, well, who's going to play opposite of you? He's like, oh, well, I don't have a starting spot, you yeah. know, and I, and I think that mindset will definitely permeate throughout the rest of the roster. I think Dante's definitely going to take a look at things. And if things need to be changed, I think he will actually change them. I think he's someone who will do that for the betterment of the team. So I think in that sense, it's we could see some shakeups. Now, I don't think it's going to be like, let's abolish the air raid. You know, uh, uh, Williams was saying that he had to kind of understand the offense to even like fully get practice. You know, there's a lot going on there. So he has to sit in meetings and try to get the lingo. So it's still a work in progress, but it's. I don't think it was what people on social media had speculated. Like, oh my gosh, the air raid's gone now because Dante is the interim head coach. Like, no. that's not. You're not going to do that. I think when he was asked about that, like the he sort of had like almost like an exasperated look on his face. Like, if I really wanted to, like, how the hell would I even do that? Like, that's the the feeling I got from it. Yeah, like, and he is just juggling a lot, and I don't think yeah. you want to implode your offensive game plan. You know what I want to do in these like the. Five minutes I have extra instead of going to the bathroom. I'm going to develop a new offense. <laughs> In the <laughs> like, shower, he's just like on the on the little like steam, like drawing up plays for the yeah. offense. Yeah, no. Pretty funny. I don't think so. Oh, we got a question from L.A. Fred who said, uh, with Helton being out, aside from any on-field changes, what does this do in terms of recruiting? This must send out ripples that uh, that start a chain reaction, good and bad. I get that much will still depend on the permanent new coach and staff. Should we expect to see any immediate actions by USC or recruits and or recruits? Thanks, Ellie Fred. So this is the perfect time to sign up to uscfootball.com. We talked to all of them, like all the the commits, uh, four and five star guys. They're up there. Um, For the most part, everyone's standing pat. Like you're just like, hey, see what happened. But what you said, Fred, is um, much of this will depend on who the new coach and staff is. That's 100 percent true. Who which assistant coaches, if any, are retained. Um, Every player is going to be different. You know, there's going to be players that are like. If Coach A is not retained and he's gone, there's probably going to be a player that's like, oh, that was my guy and he loved me and I was the starter and blah, blah, blah. And there's probably a guy that's going to be like, oh, man, I should have been the starter and this guy was holding me back. And like 
there's a lot of that stuff that could be going on. So there'll be players that are happy assistant coach is gone. There'll be players that are upset. Um, and it's going to depend on who comes in and who the, the, the you know, the, um, you know, assistants are and all that kind of stuff. So there's players on the team that will think about transferring. There's players will transfer in. There's recruits that will decommit. There's recruits that will recommit, like commit. There's, there's a lot that's going to be going on um, with this change. So it's not just recruiting, but having Dante Williams as the assist, you know, the interim head coach is the best move you could make if you're worried about recruiting at yeah. all. Yeah. They're planting the flag in the mountain saying, Hey, we still care about recruiting. Yeah. Because he's him. really freaking good at it. Really and, freaking good. Even when he's uh doing a million other things. Yeah, he's time. like, I wake up at five in the morning and I call my East Coast kids. And when I'm going to bed late, I'm calling the West Coast kids. And yeah. He's like, It's a third of your job. Yeah. And <laughs> I I mean you could argue he puts even more emphasis on that, but it's a real third of your job. And um He said he, recruiting is twenty five seven. Yeah, twenty five. Twenty five. Uh, USC's had some assistant coaches that would say, "I mean, a third or like a ninth of your job, a fifteenth of your like no, like they would not have put that much time in." He puts in the time, so yeah. and you see the results. Mm-hmm. We had a text from Mike in the Bay Area who said, "For Keely and Ryan, I think Dante is a great recruiter. I'm worried if he does well, they'll make him the coach instead of hiring an established head coach with a great track record." Am I just being paranoid or do you think this could happen? Thanks for all the content and hard work, Mike in the Bay Area. Mike, so we call this uh, PTSD. Um, You are definitely shell-shocked from all of the horrible decisions being made before. Not saying that hiring Dante Williams is a horrible decision. Certainly not saying it's going to be a good one. Let's wait and see what happens. But that's the old USC that would just like, well, he's here already. And like, oh, you know, he did all right. And. Yeah, he's never even been a coordinator before. So that when people talk about what would it take for Dante to be the, I mean, for me, it's like, I don't know, win a national championship or something like that. It's, it's not like win the South and you're like, okay, no. like, And and the problem is you get promoted like that. Like you've jumped, you know, you're a defensive coordinator. You you went above Todd Orlando. You're, he was your boss basically and now you're his. If they bring someone in and they want to keep Dante Williams, what is his role going to be? Like, do you want to be, you're going to be, whatever your role is, it's going to be a demotion because you're no longer the head coach. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be somewhat of an issue. I mean, but I would not say that this is a stat, like a, an athletic department that would be like, yeah, you know, the best thing would be to just keep our interim coach and, and hire him on. So, I mean, that's like, that's a long, long, long shot to me. Yeah, that's not how this admin works um, from what we've seen. And yeah, I just... I, there's there's a long way to go. It's still, yeah. 10 games are ahead of all of us, so we'll see. Uh, we have a question from Brad from San Clemente who said, how about interim coaches Jack Del Rio and or Jeff Fisher? Yes, it violates Ryan's previous USC connection, but they are both experienced, no-nonsense coaching greats in the NFL. Enough said. Brad from San Clemente. Let me try to be as respectful as possible, Brad. Keeley's going to get really mad. Ryan. <laughs> Um, this is stressful. Remove us from your feet. No, I'm just kidding. Right. (laughs) Brad. Okay. There's been a lot of dumb ideas. I thought you were being respectful here. I'm trying to be like, you, you don't know what I want to say. Try harder. Okay, Brad. Um, here's the thing. When you have an interim head coach, it's usually someone who knows what's going on with the current team. So that's why it's like a, holdover sort of thing. Like they're going to try to keep things together. 
you don't hire an interim from the outside because they come in and know nothing. You might as well just hire your permanent head coach because they would know nothing. The interim is someone that you promote from within. They're already on the staff and they keep things going in the interim. That's where the, the name, the word comes from. So that's why they call it that. Both of those decisions or both of those names would be horrible choices for any job at USC. Interim head coach, athletic director, anything. They should not be around at all. Never hire those guys. They know the fight song. They don't have college experience. Get the hell away from both of them. So there you go. Wow. Was that was that you were nicer? S- yeah, the tone was a little condescending, but we can work on it. I, I, Practice makes perfect. Yeah. We have an email from Eric in Duck Country who says, Ryan and Keeley, is USC considered a rebuilding job? We kind of talked about this. Do you would you actually classify it as a rebuilding job? I mean it I would say if you're Mike Bone, yes. Like rebuilding, like I mean, it's more of like a rejuvenation kind of thing. Like it's when you say rebuilding job, you're it sounds like you're describing the job itself as like no, like the job is top notch. It's a top notch job. Yeah. What you would be tasked with is rebuilding the program. Um, so I maybe don't like the way that's worded, but you're, you know, it's like a rejuvenate, like you're going to bring this back to life. It's like a phoenix from the ashes. So, uh, I mean, I guess you're rebuilding the tradition or whatever, like the once proud program, but the jo- it's like not a job. It's like rebuilding. Like, I don't know. It's pretty Teflon, I feel like. I don't know if that's an additive, but I'm making it one. Sure. Um, I would say maybe, and depending on what we see, you might have to rebuild recruiting classes a little bit or rebuild the roster a little bit on how things shake out. But like, I don't think the job itself is not attractive. Yeah. I mean, like you could probably, a good coach could come in with this roster and win the Pac-12, I think. I think they are good enough roster to win the Pac-12 with a great coach. Like if you do look at the talent composite from 24-7 Sports, in the Pac-12, actually, everyone on their schedule, USC has a better roster than. Like, everyone on the schedule, even Notre Dame. So they have a higher-ranked group of players, as far as high school recruiting talent goes, than everyone on their schedule. So, yeah, I, I don't think you have to rebuild that. To get it back to, like, a national prominence thing, you're going to make some changes and stuff. But it's winnable right now. I don't think it's, um, you know, where UCLA, where Chip Kelly tore it down to the studs and and rebuilt it back up and it took like four years or whatever like that's that's different that's not what you would have to do at usc you got to bring it you you know a good coach would just bring in a top five class like instantly like boom and take the roster you have and win and win a bunch of games you know like you're at least winning the south with this roster so i don't know about you know it's not like you're taking a five and seven team and trying to do something with it we have a text from Ian from SCV who said, hearing all these names being thrown around the last two days and not a single one of them is named Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, or Davo Sweeney, or Lincoln Riley, etc. If you offer enough money, they might jump ship for the largest media market in the country, access to the hottest recruiting ground in the country, and a top four to five program in the country historically. They should be the first call made before anyone else is considered. Ian from SCV. P.S. Curious what Dan Weber thinks. 
Uh, you can email Dan or tweet Dan or something if you want to get what email he Email him. Usually he'll email. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, that Nick Saban is not coming to USC. Like, Texas tried to get him. Like, USC is a top five, four or five program, but Alabama's number one. And he's been doing that forever. And, you know, he's more thinking about retiring than coming to USC. So, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Kirby Smart hasn't won a national championship or anything. And George, and by the way, like California's losing ground as far as the fertile recruiting goes, like Texas, Florida, but Georgia's like up there now too. Um, Now there's advantages to coming because they don't have Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have to go against each other, you know, and you wouldn't have to do that if you came to, uh, to LA, but I don't think Kirby Smart would be someone that you're like, is he like this proven amazing head coach? He's in a great program that has a lot of stuff going on consider it a great job now. Um, I mean, <laughs> Devil Sweeney is like Clemson. Like, yeah, like, you know, like he's won multiple national championships there. I, I just don't think that's something that's realistic. Lincoln Riley's come up. Uh, people have brought Link, Rick, Lincoln Riley's name up. Um, someone that you could talk to. I think he's someone that you could actually talk to about this. The other ones you're like, I mean. It feels like video game mode. Yeah, it's like what, like, no, like you could give them a call, but like there's not like that doesn't really make realistic sense for Lincoln Riley. It could. I mean, they're going to the SEC. He'd have an easier path to the playoff at USC than at Oklahoma once they get to the SEC. True. He has an easier path right now at Oklahoma. When they go to the SEC, it's going to get a lot tougher. So that's the one you could consider. Um, and, uh, you know, USC might call him. That would be to me the only one that's realistic. And I've seen his name come up from some people mentioning names. There's a, people mention a lot of names. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we got an email from Mark and I think he's challenging you, Ryan, or challenging me to read this, which little does he know that you love. Uh, I, you troll, you giveth and you taketh the troll. Troll me all you want. He said, Ryan, I dare you to read this on the podcast since in prior times you have recommended the following coaches, someone, Peterson, Leach and Kelly, among many others, uh, can you just refrain from any? Your batting average is less than Bellinger's. At least he has an MVP award to his name, Mark. Hey, Mark. Uh, you probably haven't heard me mention any of those names for USC. Um, USC hasn't had an opening for quite a while. Uh, I would say this. I thought when Arizona hired someone, that would work out pretty well. He was awful there, like just terrible. Chris Peterson took Washington to the playoff. Like, USC hasn't been to the playoff. Like, Chris Peterson took Washington to the playoff. Chip Kelly could win the Pac-12 this year. Like, it took him a while to build that up, but they're there. I mean, he's proven, like, they look like a legitimate team, you know? Um, you know, I I don't, like, Mike Leach, I never thought would work someplace like at USC, so I'm not sure where you're getting that one. But he's had good success wherever he's been. At the You know, kind of quirky. Um, they just got a big win against... Uh, North uh, uh, NC State, um, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to kind of see what they do. But I don't think I've ever said, yeah, Mike Leach should come to USC. Like, I don't, you know, or Kevin Sumlin, but you know, whatever. But, yeah, they, and I've said a lot of other names that were really good. So, like, that's, you're going to pick a few that you didn't like. So, I'm not sure where you're going, Mark. Do you Were you complaining that you didn't want Clay Helton fired if that was the thing? There are some people who are like, why are you talking about all these names, like, Clay Helton's the guy or whatever. Well, he's no longer there. You're gonna have to hire somebody. Um, I thought I thought Chip Kelly would be better early, but it looks like he's got a legit program and stuff now. Peterson, 
USC would still do well to hire Peterson right now. So I don't know why you would throw his name in there, but whatever. I Okay, this is a side tangent on an already long podcast, but has UCLA played like a formidable opponent? I feel like people are overestimating LSU. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> LSU's I, got like top five talent. Yeah. Like, but that's sort of like where USC was. Like, I think USC they were had top five talent and played yeah. like a, a top 40 program. No UCLA shade. I'm just saying it's early in the right. season. So let's see. I mean, just from the eye test, like, I still think Stanford's not going to be that good. I think UCLA's going to be good. We'll see. Maybe Stanford ends up being really good. We, and ha- UCLA's we have not. a question about that. So yeah. hold in your, okay. your comments. We have an email from longtime listener Brendan in Austin. He says, Ryan Keeley and Shotgun, as much as I question the leadership at USC, Mike Bone has made all the right moves. However, there's two left. First, Graham Harrell has to go. And now, the firing of Helton won't fix this offense. Slovis's regression as a QB, inability to move through regressions, and staring down receivers, Drake London, is a problem. Our inability to score shows a lack of halftime adjustments. There's no s- scheme or flow to the offense. No one, uh, no plays to set up another. It's unimaginative at best and gross to watch. Harold couldn't scheme his way out of an open, wet paper bag. McGuire should be named OC from here on out. Lastly, on the topic of a new head coach, I'm sick of the Franklin narrative. Sports analysts across the country seem to have him number one on their list, all but penciled in as the Trojans' head, new head coach. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of the same temperament with Helton as with Franklin. And why does no one bring up the fact that he struggled in his time at Penn State to find an identity on offense? He's gone through multiple coordinators and now running the air raid offense himself. This is more of the same. Longtime listener, fight on, Brendan. Hey, Brendan. Um, obviously, you're not a fan. I mean, he's, I think his track record is really good. That's why people look at Franklin as a coach. Uh, as far as Harrell, yeah, like, I thought it would work in year one. Um, I thought Graham Harrell, the offense looked good. I know it wasn't what people wanted, but it, to me, it made sense. I was like, okay, you're going to score points, throw the ball, throw the football around. Now I think you guys called it like the gumbo raid or someone called it the gumbo the raid. Paris style the called Paris it style the gumbo did. raid. Um, it does look like it's a little grab baggy. It looks like it's, um, you know, like you're trying to do certain things where like, okay, we want to score, but I got to, this guy's got to get the ball a little and I want to do some more of this and a little bit of that. And, um, and I, you know, I don't think Clay Hilton was meddling in the offense. Something's not right though with it. It just doesn't look productive. Like I said this on tunnel vision, like score points, like do whatever you want to do. You want to hand it off 50 times. You want to throw it to, you know, put three tight ends on the field. What do whatever you want to do, but this is modern college football. And what good teams in modern college football do is score a buttload of points. So you're the pro here. You get paid over a million dollars. Figure out a way with all this talent to score a buttload of points. Do whatever you got to do. I don't care. Like, And that's not been happening. And I feel like you were just getting excuses. And you're talking about execution. So I think there's a real problem with this offense right now. And yeah. maybe... Dante Williams can figure something out, but I, like I said, I don't think he's going to be involved in the offense much, but if it's just more of a general like thing, like, Hey, do this or whatever, like do more of that, like, and just focus on that. And it works like, okay, good. Like, I think that's about what you're going to get from Dante if you're getting anything. Yeah. I mean, I think I already made my sentiments known on the last, after uh, San Jose state, I just don't feel like this offense really has rhythm or chemistry. Like I said, it's labored. 
And I stand by that. It's labored. There's no identity. And you just feel like everything's difficult. Like I, yeah, yeah. I brought this up to Clay Helton too on Sunday conference call. It's sort of, I don't want to mean it's like a shot, but like Jordan Moore, who works for USC on the radio broadcast said, it looks like what Stanford's doing is high percentage and easy. It looks like what USC is doing is like difficult. It's like everything is just a struggle. Like just completing a pass to get five yards is a struggle. And then, you know, USC was just, everything was a hassle. Like it just, nothing came easy where you're just like, oh, that play was wide open. Like that was just not happening at all. I'm actually going to go to another email that we have just because it's it's similar to what we're talking about right now. It's from Gio and Whittier who said, hey, Keely and Ryan, longtime listener of this podcast and all other associated shows, all fantastic. I wanted to thank you for your hard work and dedication to this program. We love. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, he said, my apologies if this has already been asked or answered, uh, but I wanted to get your take on just what is going on with this offense. I guess my question is, do you think that Clay Hilton has just completely over uh, taken over and started controlling or heavily influencing Harold's scheme slash planning now? Or is this just something a young player caller trying to evolve and desperately mixing elements to see what works fight on geo and whittier geo i think it's the latter um stay tuned my little war roomy stuff uh about this do you a little bit uh but yeah i think it's the latter i don't i don't think there was meddling from clay helton so i don't know why wasn't really working but like Keely said, it just it's not been working. But I don't think it's because I don't think that Clay Helton's gone and now it's gonna instantly be fixed if that's the if that's the hope. It, there's some things that could get fixed, but I don't think it's just gonna be because he's not there anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. We have a voicemail. You want me to play that one? Sure, it's go for it. Lines. Okay, here we go. Hey, guys, this question's for Ryan and Keely. Anyway, this is my third voicemail actually now. because uh, the first one was a rant. The second one was kind of a more reasoned call. And then now basically, basically both of those calls are irrelevant with uh, the news today on Monday. So <clears throat> my new question is, is I think it's going to be interesting to see how Graham Harrell does without Clay Helton because I know that there were rumors that at times Clay Helton would get his hands in the offense, the play call and play calling. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, now we'll see what Graham Harrell's all about, I think, for the first time in terms of, you know, what he's like as a play caller and offensive coordinator with basically out with, with a defensive-minded coach. Like, he's not going to have a ton of oversight. So it'll be interesting to see if the offense improves or or if it stays the same or if it maybe if it gets worse. I mean, you never know. Maybe Clay Helton was helping him out. Um, but I'd be interested to get you guys' thoughts on where you think the trajectory of the offense goes from here now that Graham Harrell's pretty much the only, the highest offensive-minded coach on the staff. But on Jason Longhorn Country. Jason. Hey, Jason. Kind of along the same lines, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't know if you've heard anything. I, I, I think we're going to see a little bit of difference, but I, my gut is it's not simply because Clay Helton's not there. Well, the interesting thing is, like, they're going to play Washington State. And this was a team that Graham Harrell's scheme, like, actually looked good against in 2020. Remember, like yeah. that. This was that was the game last year where where everyone said, "Oh, this is what Harrell's offense is supposed to look like," you know. And so, I mean, we could see something crazy on Saturday, but is that going to be able to be repeated the rest of the season? I don't know. Um, so we'll see. But 
I I honestly don't expect a ton of changes. I mean, the fact that we didn't see a ton of changes from week one to week two is yeah. odd. Given the, and like in the fact that like we were kind of t- told that they were limiting plays a little bit against San Jose State, but if you're losing to to Stanford, open up the playbook. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't save anything at this point. But I don't know. I I just I don't expect major changes. Yeah, I, I mean, there could be something like Dante's like, hey, open up the whole damn playbook. Sure, but from Graham. Like yeah. suggesting that Clay Helton was somehow limiting the offense. Like, yeah. I don't think I, if it comes from Dante, then sure, maybe. But I don't think it's just going to be a epiphany moment. And we've seen this happen, right? Like it was, was it 20? I forget, 2017 or 2018 when like T. Martin's the, the uh, I think it was 2018, right? T. Martin's the um, offensive coordinator and... Clay Helton in the middle of the season or like eight games in fires Neil Calloway and demotes T. Martin and he takes over the play calling duties. Yeah. Then at the end of the season, fires T. Martin and then that's when they brought in Graham Harrell. Um, you know, he took the clay, play calling duties over. I don't think he did that with Graham really. So, but thanks, Jason, for the, the question. Mm-hmm. We got an email from uh, Steve, our buddy Stephen Poway, who said, uh, you were absolutely right on in how you described Stanford, uh, how they could shorten the game and make things really difficult for USC. However, I know you were kind of tongue-in-cheek, but will you be willing to ban yourself from ever, one, referring to a future USC opponent as quote-unquote but, no. or two, right, <laughs> using a multiple combination of horrible, awful, terrible, and trust me, they are awful uh, descriptors to describe a future opponent or three using a food analogy to describe how little effort USC is likely to put in since they could essentially sleepwalk through the next games and still win. He has a point. No, that's true. Uh, that's, but that's on the USC side. That's not on the Stanford side. Like, no, no. Write me back in a couple of weeks and tell me like the Clay Helton got fired immediately after losing one game. What does that tell you about what the athletic department thought of what Stanford, if, if they thought Stanford was a juggernaut, they wouldn't fire him immediately after the game. So that's what happened. They knew Stanford wasn't good and USC got blown out by them. So yes, I, I've got to stand by that. Like caught, was it, who did the Steve, Stephen, uh, Stephen Poway, Stephen Poway, write me in a couple of weeks. He if, will. If Stanford, will. <laughs> okay. Stanford's a favorite, road favorite over Vanderbilt. Okay. I think they're going to lose. Let's see. Uh, I don't think Stanford, and, and David Shaw was like out of, he had like an out of body experience in that game. He did non David Shaw things. David Shaw started the correct quarterback. He didn't do, use the, the bad one. He played the good one, which that's not usually what he likes to do because people tell him, here's the best quarterback. He's like, no, I'm not going to play that guy. I'm not going to listen to you. He likes to punt like at an opponent's 35-yard line on fourth and one. Uh, he took points off the board, literally was at the six-yard line, kicks a field goal. USC lines up offsides. It's not fourth and goal from the one. It's fourth and goal from the three. And he says, I'm going to take a field goal. You would have to, like, it's like your cheapest friend holding their wallet, like when you're trying to, like, buy a soda and he's, like, not going to pay for it. Like, prying it out of his hands you'd have to pry those points off of the scoreboard from a david shaw team and he willingly said remove those points i will do a like somewhat low percentage play from the three yard line and try to score a touchdown instead and gets it like he was not david shaw and completely outcoached usc i don't think you're going to see that 
all the rest of the way. They're definitely capable. To, uh, they can beat some teams, but I don't think they're very good. Talk to me in a couple of weeks, and let's see how good Stanford is. I think the point is that you made, I think you made USC fans very comfortable coming into this game, and this game was anything but comfortable for USC fans. Okay, let me. Um, I'm going to give you a little. I don't think we need one. We have more no, questions. No, 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 this is this is important. Okay, <laughs> okay, this is important, Keely. Yes. You guys all should thank me. Okay. <laughs> what what do I do when it comes to picking USC? You don't cover the spread, or you I, don't pick the spread. Right. Week one, week two, I picked USC to cover the spread. 14 points and 17 points. I never do that. Against Stanford, I did that. Why did I do that? And I down, I, and I know Stanford wasn't very good. They got crushed the, in week one. Uh, Kansas State, they played Southern Illinois and beat them by eight. Like They boat raced Stanford and they beat Southern Illinois by eight. So I'm just saying, like, there's some good marks here you could look at. But I set it up for USC fans. So it was be expected to beat Stanford. And when it didn't happen, what happened? Everyone was upset. Clay Helton's gone. I'm not saying it's, I'm like taking credit, but I had a little something to do with this. Is this podcast like <laughs> testing how much I can just stand? Yes. Just not crumble with just but like, cringe? To be honest, like I was joking, but like honestly, I was like, Okay, at this point, I'm going to pick USC to do what they should do. I'm going to pick them to cover these spreads. Because if they're not, it's going to be focused on, hey, USC isn't as good as they should be. And they should, and obviously didn't expect them to get blown out, but. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, that's, I was just saying, you know, I'm working behind the scenes for you guys. There's a lot. Oh, okay. Hold on. I, I might have messed up, and I apologize if I got my Steve Stevens wrong. That was Stephen J. Conroy, which I still think is Stephen Poway. So we'll see. Oh, maybe it is. Okay. I don't know. Steve's declare yourself next time. Uh, Stephen Poway says, Dear Ryan and Keeley, I have a couple questions. After seeing two games of the 2021 season, which position group do you believe needs the least amount of work right now? Ooh, least amount of work. I don't know. Hmm. I might go maybe running backs. Really? They've they've run wild. Like when they've got the ball, like they're averaging like five yards a carry. You debated me on this last podcast. You're like, I think there's room for improvement with the running backs. The running backs themselves, the running game. I think the running backs, like I think they've done their job. Okay. I don't necessarily like the way they're running the football, like the the run schemes, but I like the running backs. Like I like what they're doing. Okay. Well, who would you think is needs the least improvement? I don't know. Because like you could have said the secondary before. You can't you say could, that you now. You can't say that now. You can't say the defensive line, no sacks. You can't say the linebackers, they don't do anything. So there's nothing on defense. Um, they do things. They yes. do things, but they're not like the, the, there's a lot of room for improvement there. I don't know if this is crazy, but maybe the offensive line? That, I mean, they would be in the running. Everyone who's played has set a career high PFF number in the first two games. Which you can't put a ton of sure, stock in, but sure, it's, sure. it's not gospel. But I'm just saying, it's it's a, a way to measure success. Yeah, over the last couple of coaches, I would listen to that. Um, well, you just did. Yeah. <laughs> we had another question that said, uh, "What is the position group that you believe needs the most amount of work?" <sighs> That's yeah. tougher too. That is a sigh indeed. Um, man, I don't know. What what would you is say? Is this spicy? I might say wide receivers. It could. And and work in the sense that like they need more chemistry. They like I don't feel like you can like usually for USC receivers, you know that they're gonna catch the ball or try their hardest to. 
And I'm not saying the effort's not there. I'm just saying that there's something off. You know, how many times were guys hit in the hands or it just they just misconnected on a play against Stanford, you know? So Yeah. Or did not connect. You could go there. I mean, I think you could also go defensive line. I see, but they're playing like I feel like they're playing what's the boxing term? Like above your weight? Boxing above your weight class, yeah. Like In the sense that like they don't have a Jay Tufele or Marlon Tuipolotu. Like Stanley Tahafu is undersized and yet like they're still they're not getting gashed up the middle necessarily. Yeah. But you gotta get some sacks, dude. Yeah, dude, but <laughs> I mean <laughs> Get some sacks. I'm, I'm losing my mind on this podcast. Yeah, let's keep going. Um, we had a question from uh, Keith who said, Hi, Keely and Ryan. I've been thinking about this for a while now and wanted to lob it into you, into your podcast for your thoughts. Is Keaton really that good? I watch regularly, regularly, did not get to see the uh, San Jose State game thanks to the Pac-12 network, but did watch as many highlights as, as I could find and have listened to most of everything y'all have said. Keaton is not checking down. Ingram was literally doing jumping jacks on one play, calling for the ball, and all Keaton was doing was looking at the back of the end zone where the entire defensive backfield was parked. His passes are floating or just being thrown up for the receivers to make a great play. Yes, Ryan, he has had a great freshman year, but he's been mediocre since. Everyone keeps hammering on the offensive schemes, and I don't deny they are not great. But even if they were amazingly perfect, if the QB is just staring down one receiver on each play and throwing it up for grabs, the scheme does not matter. It is execution. No, I'm not asking for Dart or any other quarterback to replace him. That is not the point of this, since I know that is a tangent you may go down, Ryan. I just wanted to determine if Keaton is really that good or just another slightly over uh, overachieving three-star. Or maybe they just broke him like they did Cody Kessler, who also started out really good but didn't finish that way. Hermph, Keith. Hey, Keith. No, I, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks regress at USC. Yeah. And I'm seeing that here. Um, I do think it's more of a scheme thing. Uh, but, you know, I think he's a really good quarterback. Um, we're not seeing as much. Even last year, like, he he was still, like, the best statistical quarterback of the Pac-12. You know, like, we thought it was down, but he still was right up there, right, with everybody else. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't – I think you're in college. You have to be put into positions to – succeed and i'm not sure he's been doing that and i think if you're there's some players that could you know i think sam darnold wasn't put in the best positions and still succeeded yeah uh, yeah but he was better his first year and then the more coaching he got he was worse than his second year. i mean could you point to jt daniels as the example yeah i mean i mean people thought he was like trash in in the gumbo yeah and here he is at georgia i mean he's hurt now but you know yeah so i would say there's some I mean, I wouldn't just say, hey, Keaton's just not that good. Like, I, you know, we've seen him be good. Like, he can yeah. be good. Yeah. Uh, I think he's good. Yeah. So. We got a question from Frank in Sacramento who said, uh, please say something definitive about Brew McCoy. Since he's not being charged with a crime, is he coming back to USC or not? We can't say anything definitive because it's not definitive in itself. Yes. USC is still doing their own internal investigation. That's what happens. And so they're doing that um, every, like, as we've said before, the precedent for that is not great for football players who have had investigations. Um, I've also been told that it didn't look too good as far as um, his chances to return, or at least for this season. So yeah. that's as definitive as I can get, but we you never know. He could come back and the investigation clears him. We don't know, but that's kind of where it is right now. That's yeah. why we can't say anything definitive because it's still an in, a developing thing. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, like, what's the analogy here? Or is this like... I don't think there needs to be an analogy. No. But, yeah, there's, like, 
just because he wasn't charged with a crime doesn't mean, you know, there's still an investigation going on. It's just internal. It's a Title IX investigation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where you kind of have to go with that. And that's what happens with universities. It's not just the criminal yeah, record. There's no crime. Okay. So you did nothing wrong. Like The university still has to right. go through its processes. Yeah. That just meant that the DA decided that there wasn't enough evidence to, to that he felt to, to charge and convict yeah. him. Yeah. All righty. Our last email. And it's from Dan, class of 1962, who says, Hi, Keely and Ryan. Much thanks to Ryan for reaching out to Dan Weber to write an article about Sam Cunningham. It was a terrific article, as only Dan Weber can write. He definitely wrote about the man and not just the myth. Many writers, when they write about the Alabama game, forget to mention that USC had one of the first all-African-American backfields, including one of the first African-American quarterbacks, Jimmy Jones. Even though Michigan State has been praised for using African-American athletes in their uh, uh, quarterback and their quarterback, Jimmy Ray, it took USC actually going to play in Alabama in the Deep South to make a point about the value of integration. Also, John McKay and Bear Bryant were good friends who wanted to make the point about the need for integrated sports teams. Sam Cunningham and his teammates made me proud to be a Trojan. Fight on and win, Dan, class of 1962. P.S. Clarence Davis was a thousand-yard rusher who was forgotten by starting between O.J. Simpson and Anthony Davis. He was a junior... College. He was a junior college transfer from East Los Angeles Junior College, where I attended before transferring to USC. Thanks, Dan, for that one. Yeah, good stuff. I'm glad you guys enjoyed. Dan's going to be doing uh, weekly columns for Crazy. us. Crazy the return. We actually were said do a weekly column, and then we had to have him do a second column because Clay Helton got fired. Like after he did the Stanford column, things so. happen. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got one last voicemail, and okay. then we'll be done. Hey guys, it's Sir Eric of Troy again. Quick question: Has anybody seen Pat Hayden? J.K. McKay, or even Lynn Swan, anywhere around? I mean, is there some rule or something that, that maybe I'm unaware of that they're barred from the campus, barred from the Coliseum, or even coming back to take a look at what they created uh, around there that we're just now digging ourselves from under? Uh, I'm just wondering because there's been times when I was looking for Lynn Swan. I was, I was looking for either of them, man, in the grocery store, on the street somewhere, or whatever the case may be. And, I'm, and to be frank with you, I'm so happy I never saw either one. But I'm just wondering, has anybody heard from them, anybody seen them, or have they just disappeared from the program completely? Which, actually, I wouldn't blame them if they have. But I was just curious. Fight on. Let me know. Thanks uh, for that one. First of all, you would never see Lynn Swan at a grocery store. He doesn't do those kind of things. He's uh, he's in his ivory tower. He would get food delivered or someone like make it, you know, his chef would make him meals or whatever. Um, now, Lynn Swan never would come out to the people. He just, he was like, he was the most hands-off athletic director like you could ever think. Pat Hayden was at least out there some. So Pat Hayden would be coming to games. Like you would see Pat Hayden in a box at a football game before. Lynn Swan was in his basement in Pennsylvania and USC plucked him out of obscurity to bring him to Los Angeles. I don't know where he is. Um, I don't think either one of, of them have shown their face on campus since then. Now, not Pat Hayden had some, some health issues. Hopefully he's okay. I don't know. haven't got an update there, but we never even heard from Lynn Swan when Carol Fult announced that he was gone or whatever, they were moving on. Um, there was no statement from Lynn Swan. There was no like, you know, Lynn Swan didn't address anybody. Like it was just like, okay, we all know that you're very bad at your job. Just leave. And that's a testament to the people that hired him. You know, are you going to blame Lynn Swan and Pat Hayden for being terrible athletic directors? They were, but who hired them to do that? Like you had a search firm find Lynn Swan, like your search firm found Lynn Swan. Like how would they, like, how did you find Lynn Swan as an athletic director? That No, like that's, 
that search firm should go away. You know, like there's, there's no, I, you know, obviously they were involved. You just kind of pick whoever your boosters wanted. It's like, oh, he's going to be great. He's a former football player. Like that's the criteria. It's like he was a former football player. So when I say hire people that don't know the fight song, it's because literally they hired people only because they knew the fight song. So I'm saying do the opposite of it. Hire people that don't know the fight song. That will protect you from yourselves of hiring people only because they know the fight song. Rant. Rant. Over. Over. Uh, good stuff. This... Have you seen him around? Have you heard him around? No. Yeah. Yeah. Would you show your face? No. Like, they've screwed up the university for a long time. The athletic department. Yeah. So, wait, you're agreeing with me? Are you I'm trashing tr- former tr- great? I'm trying to be silent for a reason. <laughs> This file. Keely trashing oh former great USC football players. Unbelievable. This podcast is wild. It is very wild. A reflection of our sleep deprived state. How different is it than doing one with Chris Trevino? He at least knows that I can give him like daggers to yes. like tone it down a bit. You just fly past that. I feel like you, sometimes you when I know you're going to get mad, by the daggers. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. <sighs> Uh, Cringe worthy moments uh, here on the Parastyle Podcast. Well, <laughs> hope you guys. What an advertisement. <laughs> well, good stuff. Uh, make sure you go check out the VIP sale because it's going to be over very soon. Yep. Um, so sign up now if you're not a VIP member and uh, stay tuned to the War Room. Tunnel Vision. All the good stuff. Tunnel Vision's coming up. God, we got to get ready for it. I yeah, like, this was a voice. long, long ass show. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that is Keely Yor. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 